you notice that now we we have interrupted the sequence of the Gospel of Mark. And we have over the next five weeks, except for the Feast of the Assumption, coming up on the 15th, 15th readings from the Gospel of John. This is taken from the what is known as the Bread of Life sequence. And Jesus identifies himself as the Bread of Life. As we come to the conclusion of this text, but before Jesus gets there, we want to make sure that we have an understanding that we have to hunger for this bread of life. And so we have a gospel today that helps us understand this. This is a beautiful gospel. It's about, about the Eucharist. We may say that. In both the first reading and the gospel, we hear stories about hungry people and how we are going to feed them. I like this. And how we and how are we going to feed them? In this time. But before that, I'm going to say this. In this gospel we find Jesus and his disciples facing a situation that seemed beyond their resources to deal with. They have to feed 5,000 people. I think it's more than that, more than 5,000 people. But Andrew said to Jesus, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what is that between so many? In both cases, the first reading and the gospel, it is obvious that there is not enough food for the crowds to eat. In the end, there is so much food that everyone can eat their fill, and there are even leftovers. So, each reading shows how carefully God feeds and cares for us. I would like to say this, uh, in, the, in the Bible, bread was understood as a sign of God's gift to strengthen human beings. Bread was a sign of hospitality, wisdom, intelligence, peace, and life. That's why bread is very important. God will satisfy every human hunger. Jesus feels a sense of responsibility for the numbers of people who followed him around the Sea of Galilee. The impossible became possible in the power and prayer of Jesus. Jesus saw that he could do a great deal with those few resources, five loaves and two fish. On that day, the disciples discovered that if even one person is generous with the leader he or she has, the Lord can work powerfully through that leader to serve those in need. The Lord can work powerfully through small gestures. Again, Jesus can work powerfully through small gestures. If you smile every day, just like that, right? In the morning, with a beautiful smile to say, good morning, hi, 
And that's it. Probably people are gonna be happy if you see you. Yeah, I have here. I see. I can smile just too because I don't see the other faces I would like to see. But just with that, and now they are smiling and say, "Hey, hi!" Right? And this is small gestures, but we can make the difference. Right? Just like that. And it is beautiful to know that. So. Such small gestures can be the beginning of something great. Even if we only have a little to give, the Lord can work powerfully through that little. We all have gifts we can present to the Lord. Nothing is too insignificant to be placed in the Lord's hands. What Jesus did in the desert for a large crowd pointed ahead to what he did at the Last Supper for the disciples and through them for all of us. So, at the heart of the church's life is the Eucharist, the humblest of gifts, bread and wine, are placed on the altar. And this one, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they are given back to us as the body and blood of Christ. Jesus' actions with the bread and the gospel reminds us of these actions of the Last Supper. He took the loaves, gave thanks, and gave them out to all. On both occasions, in the desert of Galilee and in the upper room in Jerusalem, what was given to Jesus was insignificant. We may say bread and regular wine compared to what he gave back. In other words, we offer what is of little value, simple bread and very ordinary wine. And we are given back what is of infinite value, the Lord's body and blood. In the wilderness, the Lord worked powerfully through the very insignificant resources to feed the physical hunger for the people, at the Eucharist, the Lord works powerfully through similarly insignificant resources to satisfy the deeper spiritual hunger of the human heart. I am conclude my homily with this. In the second reading, St. Paul gives us a more realistic way to live and feed others as the church by living in humility and gentleness by acting with patience, bearing with each other in love, and always seeking and striving to preserve unity of the Spirit through peace. Who among us cannot increase the way we feed this church and the world by living this way? We are always called upon to feed the world in the literal sense. But our mission as a church tells us that others are also fed by the way we live and act each moment of each day. The most precious gifts we have to offer others are not financial ones, but gifts of friendship, love, understanding, acceptance, and forgiveness the gifts of time and of a listening ear, the gift of a compassionate heart. These 
are the gifts that work little miracles. Even when our financial resources are very low, we can enrich the lives of others in significant ways. We can never underestimate the resources we have within us and among us to enrich the lives of others. One day I heard Father Karchi said that there was a survey and asked people why they come to the church. And the main reason was to receive communion. And it is true because you are here. We don't celebrate this Eucharist in the church. And you can watch Cardinal Supish celebration mass at Holy Name Cathedral. You can do that. But you are here because you are going to receive the Eucharist. That's why you are here. And I am happy to see this. A good crowd today. Good crowd again. That's why we are celebrating this Eucharist for, for you to receive the bread of life. Lord Jesus, bread of life, nourish my life and give me a new vision that sees your providence and invitation to faith. What I see impossibility, give me a glimpse into your heart that nourishes hope and fosters charity. Jesus, I trust in you.